Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel. I have a, a guest here. Her name is Barbara LaPointe. She's a divorce coach that specializes in high-conflict relationships, narcissistic personalities, and inherited family trauma. Her coaching approach is to de-escalate the negative energy and emotional damage with a variety of positive, empowering, and healing modalities. And also, um, what she also discusses, if you are divorcing a narcissist. So we have a lot to talk about in that department. Also, Barbara has a book coming out in January. It's an ebook called Erased by a Narcissist, One Woman's Journey to Divorcing a High Conflict Personality. So she's going to tell us all about that. And how is your evening going, Barbara? Fantastic, Marianne. So excited to be here with you. Thank you. I'm glad to have you on. So as far as being a divorce coach, are there more divorce coaches like you in your area? Because you are from Alberta, Canada. And are there more like you around? Well, that's a very good question. I don't know if there's more exactly like me around, but there are, you know, plenty of divorce coaches, I suppose. Um, I correct, I do live in Calgary, Alberta, which is Western Canada, um, but I serve all of the USA and Canada. Um, so my clients are coming from all over North America on Zoom, of course. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, life coaching is uh, a cutting edge field and there, there's a high demand for divorce coaches. So yes, in answer to your question, I believe there's probably more of me out there. <laughs> Do you like talk to people that maybe are unsure about getting divorced? Like they're just not sure, but they think they want to. <laughs> and do you get them to change their mind and stay together? Oh, well, that's a really interesting question. I mean, that's a really uh, sweet spot to be. I really welcome and love opportunities where I can speak to women before they've actually begun a divorce. Um, that doesn't always happen. I coach women at any point during the divorce process in a very solution-focused way. That's a really beautiful um, part about my practice is that it's solution focused divorce coaching. And as you know, Marianne, there's not a lot of solution focused um, approaches in uh, family court or in the divorce world. Um, it's, a, it's really looking at the past. So my approach to coaching is future orientated and solution focused. Um, if you can come when you're just sort of thinking about it, I think that could thinking about divorce or contemplating divorce, that would really do two things. Bring you more clarity on whether you want to take that step and file for divorce. So it can deliver you a more clarity, more certainty, some actionable steps. Um, but it also gives you the opportunity to get informed and make a divorce plan before you actually start getting a divorce. Um, and that, that can be quite critical um, to your success right there. So no, I don't always catch women before. They're usually already thrown into some sort of unfortunate divorce trauma 
and that's when they hopefully reach out for help and um, for support. But I would love to see more women think of a divorce coach before actually starting a, a, the process. Do you think some of them that come to you are already in a pickle? <laughs> you know, they're already um, Im immersed in wanting to get the, the divorce because, and they'll give you substantial reasons for the divorce. Like, um, um, I'm trying to think of some examples. What, okay, one, one example would be, what if someone came to you and said, I want a divorce, but I don't know why. I just, I'm just not happy. I'm just not happy in this relationship. You know, I just, there's nothing wrong with him. I'm just bored. What do you tell someone like that? Okay. Well, those are symptoms. And we would look um, at those symptoms through a coaching process that's very uh, curious and very open-minded. I personally reference the body a lot. And we would find, find the, those truths and kind of... Um, you know, the process really encourages a woman to become more resourceful. And so it always starts out like I've got a pain here or something's uncomfortable or I'm bored or I don't want to have sex or I think I want to go. And then coaching can help you to go deeper mm -hmm. and really get and discover the whys. Um, and so it's an experience. The experience process is, is where we start unpacking the whys and then unpacking the, oh, it starts off like, I think I want a divorce. And then we get down. Um, and it's coaching through a process. We'll, we'll get you, we'll get you there to understand, to really understand why, why you might want a divorce. Mm -hmm. if you're at that point where you don't know. Have you ever had to go into court for someone? I've been coaching for many, many years, uh, studying coaching for years, but I haven't, my divorce coach is fairly new and it's inspired by my own divorce process, which was deeply transformational for myself. Um, and so now it's just become a passion to assist others and show other women how to find the way forward in divorce. So I don't doubt that I will be with women in court in the future if that that was necessary at this point I haven't um, but I definitely deal with a lot of trauma that that's coming from going to court or coming from a high conflict personality who uh, is bringing suing the woman or bringing bringing the woman to court a lot over divorce so when they and, have and, oh go ahead go ahead and and preparation for court too right the emotional preparation the mm -hmm. emotional beforehand absolutely and i'm sure people are very uh stressed out before they go into court i'm sure aha uh -huh. yes well this is one of the most stressful experiences uh as you know a woman can possibly have so to say that it tips us off our our balance point and takes us out of our center or um is an understatement. So yes, that they absolutely are feeling all of those negative emotions of stress and um, 
anxiety, nervousness. Um, quite often I'll see women going through divorce who are experiencing a loss of sleep. Um, maybe they're caught in an emotional, what we call a limbic loop where they're having negative thoughts just repeat and repeat and repeat. So all, yeah, so all of the, these core traumas, they live in our body and uh, are some of the things that we address or, um, through coaching and um, through family constellation work as well. Do you give people homework to do mm. during? Yeah, I like to give life strengthening homework uh, after. Um, yeah, I usually follow up each session with um, a strengthening homework so that they can, so that the work continues from one session to another, and each session strengthens with the homework. And in terms of a court scenario, like you were just referencing, Marianne, probably some preparation work to strengthen uh, oneself before they go in to that type of um, environment that's not very supportive, that's not very friendly. So lots of self-love strengthening exercises before and after. Nat, do you see like uh, the couple or you're just seeing just the woman? So my coaching practice is entirely focused on women Mm -hmm. and children. Although I have deep empathy for, for men and for the, the entire family unit that's affected, but I specialize in women, specifically women who are, are getting unmarried or divorcing high conflict personalities, um, narcissists specifically. Um, so that, that's my scope of practice, Marianne. Okay. So with, uh, when they're dealing with a narcissist, and I know they are very difficult to deal with, and um, they're always right and you're always wrong, um, what do you, you know, as far as your advice or, you know, homework that you would give them, what do you advise Well, the first thing I would advise is for them to um, go to my website where I have a lot of valuable and deeply strengthening worksheets for women that are dealing with high conflict personalities because sometimes we just need to recognize what it is. As an example, I, I didn't really even know I was divorcing a narcissist until about three years into my process. And once you do know that, then you can start implementing these very specific strategies for dealing with HCPs, high conflict personalities. And you, you sort of start to see the path forward. Um, so on my website, I have um, a fantastic downloadable PDF that's called Everything You Need to Know If You're Divorcing a Narcissist because if you are, the path forward is different than if, if you're just dealing with uh, someone who is not a narcissist. So just the education that's required, um, that's critical to modifying your communication style, for example. 
So just tapping into the right resources that can help you to cross the finish line um, with a personality like this. Yeah, because I found it very difficult <laughs> to even, um, they had wanted us to co-parent counseling, co-parent counseling, and you just can't do it. I mean, it, you just can't do it with a personality disorder such as a narcissist because if it's, if it's not going well, they just walk out of the room and never come back. <laughs> yeah, well, that's such a, a powerful example that you just gave because not only is it life-saving um, to recognize that you cannot mediate with a narcissist, it's also financially saving because you won't waste any money on a mediator or on multiple mediation sessions with a narcissist if you already know that you literally and simply bottom line you cannot negotiate with a narcissist mm -hmm. so then you start okay you start looking at the other pathways to resolution with a narcissist so i hear you saying that mediation didn't work for you yeah that was not going to happen uh, <laughs> but and, uh, and that's super typical right right so that, Absolutely. Mm. And I think this is the case with a lot of people. And what the co-parent counselor should have done was call the judge and let him know that he will not participate and he refuses to come back. And that would have been a contempt of court. But she did not do that. So, Marianne, if I could just interact, interject, so you're, this personality, obviously you're saying he was a narcissist, in which case we can probably more or less safely assume that he's a, more or less a very much a master manipulator. So he was probably dancing circles around this uh, parental coordinator that was completely, you know, not sure how to handle the, the master manipulator. Um, the narcissist mm -hmm. so between well, a rock and a hard place for you. right and I think a lot of people when they even go to get married they don't know they're marrying a narcissist because they're so uh, clever and they'll put on a good show for say maybe a year to two years into the relationship and then the cracks will start showing in the plaster then you start to notice gee Absolutely. you know yeah why did they make that offhanded comment why why am i being treated this way and you're being gaslighted and you don't know what to make of this and then by this time you know you're bringing kids into the world and then the narcissist will start behaving better and they could behave better for say four months then they'll you know go down the roller coaster of being uh not behaving well <laughs> then they go like it's a constant roller coaster ride yeah it's uh it's quite the ride quite a roller coaster ride indeed <laughs> yeah uh, I told. I really hear what you're saying. I mean, what you're describing is that cognitive dis dis dissonance that mm -hmm. women experience when they're in these toxic, abusive relationships, 
or the recipient of narcissistic abuse. So just to deepen a little bit what you're, you were saying about how you didn't know, right? That those, right. Cracks, those cracks that you were describing, the plaster, as you say, um, in my ebook, Erased by a Narcissist, um, starts out just simply the statement, no woman who, dis who has discovered she is married to a narcissist had any idea what she was signing up for in the beginning. The danger she was in and the pain that she would come to know all too well. And that, that I would suggest that's a very typical story of any woman who's become the recipient of narcissistic abuse, which is um, really one of the most per pervasive forms of abuse that a woman can, can experience, narcissistic abuse. Do you think when women tell you this, do you question um his family members like was his father a narcissist was the mother a narcissist because i i used to sit back and i would blame his father i thought it's got to be him <laughs> and, and here was it was his mother and i found that out it took me years to find that out and i didn't i was so shocked at that i had I known, I just would have given him the ring back and split. Oh, Marianne, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> because there's nothing worse than a crappy mother-in-law. And the mother-in-law can break the marriage single-handedly if, if he lets her. And the thing was, he would tell me to stand up to her. And I, I would. He said, there, don't you feel better that you stood up to her? Well, she's still coming at you again, like a narcissist does. So yeah. then what do you do? I, like, do women say, well, it was his mother or it was his father. They both behave the same. Is this inherited? Right. Well, I... I love the way you're kind of getting to the, you're going to the, the root cause here, Marianne, and you're going to almost, not the end of the story, but the end of the story before a whole new story of healing begins. Because when you were looking up at your former husband's uh, mother, your mother-in-law, you're just kind of looking up the family tree. And I think indeed we do find that when we shake the family tree, you'd be surprised what comes out. So, um, nurse, you know, a lot of these uh, behaviors are inherited. They're actually inherited. And the root cause is going back to uh, early family trauma. So even though I have an ebook, for example, called Erased by a Narcissist, and even though I provide women education on how to handle and communicate with a narcissist, at the end of the day, I still have to tell them that narcissism is a label. Still a label at the end of the day. So yeah, it's very likely that your husband, we don't know for sure, but we can assume that um, we can postulate rather that perhaps he had some early trauma, early childhood trauma, or his a parent who is narcissistic. Um, and that is not uncommon at all that it's actually expressed in the epi epigenetics it's expressed in the genes um, I, i've personally found in my journey 
from healing uh, from narcissistic abuse in my marriage that it wasn't an accident. And when I it just, it wasn't an accident that I married a narcissist. It was actually the deepest uh, call for healing that I could ever experience. So after, you know, all these years, I'm finally getting to a point of gratitude with it. I wasn't grateful for five years ago. I was on the ground, but now I'm, I'm feeling gratitude for that because just as you said, um, I had to also, like you did, start looking up the family tree and shaking that family tree and realizing that there's, there's, more, there's more to the picture than meets the eye. Yeah, there certainly is because people can really put on a show and get you to like them and think you like, think they, you think they like you. <laughs> when uh, they're very, very, what's the word? I can't think of the word, <laughs> but um, they're just liars. They're skilled at lying. That's absolutely for sure. And lying is one, one of their weapons. But as you're, as I think what you're trying to say is they're pretty darn charming. Yes. They can yes. Pretty convincing, pretty charming, um, and they sometimes will have a sense of grandiosity. Um, they themselves need um, a lot of admiration. Um, you, we might call them self-absorbed, but when we start to more deeply engage with them, we whether it's six months or a year, whatever the timeline is, we start to see uh, that they lack empathy. Really, yes. honestly, they can even be described as robots because they lack, and it might sound extreme, but they actually lack the ability to genuinely love another. Would you also classify and that? That, that does sound so extreme, but the charm, the gifts. Oh, no, go ahead. Because I, you know, I think, I think our Zoom is off, but go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. I, you, you clicked out there, but what, what did you say? Would you classify them also as sociopaths? Some narcissists are sociopaths. Um, some, yeah, uh, some are. I mean, it's, it's quite a complicated sort of field of psychology, but narcissism is a personality disorder. And um, there's different kinds of narcissists. There's malignant narci narcissists. Mm -hmm. There's antisocial narcissists. Um, there are sociopathic narcissists that are particularly dangerous. If you become a target of blame for a narcissist um, that's sociopathic, they really will have no regret or remorse um, for anything that they do to you. Anything that they fire on that, that target of blame that's on your back. So they're the mo one of the most dangerous, I would say. And what, what we know now is that there's, I didn't actually know this. I had my rose colored glasses on, probably just like you. But there's high conflict people and individuals with narcissistic personality disorder walking around us all the time. It's, mm -hmm. you know. I was talking to a, one woman and she was saying that they are um, demonic. In fact, she felt that they were demonic. They have no empathy. They're evil. 
and they turn your kids against you. And they really don't care about the kids. They just want to get back at you. And she was going on about them being demon-possessed. What do you think of that? Um, that's, that's a really fascinating question. Uh, I will say that some of the clients I have, and even, even speaking on my own behalf, it, it has almost sort of, it does feel like a spiritual battle, Marianne, sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, so as a coach, being really neutral, I would look at language. And so if I heard language like um, the person is demonic, that is a very super emotionally charged word. And that would also um, be a signpost, uh, uh, probably pointing to trauma. Um, yeah, so whether, you know, hurt, the bottom line is, to answer your question, I would say that hurt people hurt other people. Mm -hmm. And narcissists are very wounded, fragmented, hurt little boys, mm -hmm. probably suffering from a lot of uh, early trauma with their mother, a break in the bond with their mother. But bottom line is they are just, you know, um, little children. But when you're digging in the well of darkness uh, with someone who has absolutely no re remorse, no empathy, I, I, I can, like, just as a side note, totally recognize how that woman might have said, it feels like that person is demonic. Absolutely. Um. Yep, I, was fascinating. I was fascinated when she said that because I kind of wondered the same thing with, with my situation because I've never seen anyone behave like this before. Yeah, yeah, that's a, mm -hmm. tell me more. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if you want me to. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he would come home from work in a dark mood. And, you know, I was just there with, you know, our baby and I was holding the baby and he would just was very acting very strangely and just... I don't know. I can't describe it. It was very weird. It's, um, yeah, that's, uh, I'm trying to think what to say to that. I guess what, I, what what's coming forward is just being with a narcissist, being with a narcissist or when your life or your body becomes a container to, their narcissistic abuse, which might be the narcissistic rage or that dark, dark mood. Um, it's a very unsettling feeling to say the least. Uh, mm -hmm. Right. Those are really for the victim or for the recipient of that. Some of likely the darkest moments of your soul. Would, would you agree? Right. And the thing is with narcissistic abuse, like when you said he was doing things to you that you just never, you just couldn't understand or never saw, correct? Before, right. is that they don't, 
the, this type of uh, high conflict personality doesn't get tired of his behavior. So it actually energizes him and fuels him. But, but for you, it, it would drain you, hurt you. Um, you know, uh, so that's a very different type of fuel for these type of personalities that have, again, no remorse, no empathy, lack, they lack love. And then they focused all of that energy on you, made you a target. Mm-hmm. The dangerous spot to be. And we know that battling with a narcissist in conflict, a narcissist's heart rate has actually been shown to slow down where slow down in conflict whereas when you and i i would again postulate in conflict our heart would speed up the adrenaline mm-hmm. would keep going but for right. these type of, so they, they they're skilled battlers you know they're they can they can do this and it and and we can't <laughs> that's very interesting i i've never heard that but i believe it <laughs> and the the thing is what um I was thinking is maybe we should be educating our young people on narcissistic personality disorders while they're in school, as far as middle school to high school, so they can learn about these personality disorders and what to look out for when they go to marry. But, but then again, when you go to marry, you're, you think you're marrying someone who's wonderful and nice and kind until things start falling apart, and then it's too late. You've got kids, and it's too late. So it's like you'd like to teach these young, young people what to look out for or don't marry so quickly or maybe wait five years to get married so you can see these personalities come through maybe people should wait when they meet someone maybe get married in five well, years I, well those are really good points i think it really maybe to underscore your point would be just recognizing the signs of a narcissist or a high conflict personality and then not being in denial about about those signs uh it's not uncommon i would say for women to date more than one narcissist Mm -hmm. (laughs) so once you're done with one if you haven't healed what's inside your core what's inside yourself that allowed you to become susceptible to him in the first place chances are the next one's going to walk through the door you could actually experience it again so which is really fun to end up mating with two narcissists (laughs) way better to know the signs and not deny the signs and just build that awareness and take time to educate yourself it is a process Uh, (laughs) there's you know a lot to know um and then also just recognizing in ourselves why why we are susceptible to Mm -hmm. co-partnering or getting entangled or meshed with a narcissist um, might be, for example, weak boundaries, mm-hmm. self-esteem, uh, looking to others for uh, approval or authority on your life. Mm-hmm. There's there's specific things that make 
for example, the narcissist and the empath really highly magnetic towards one another. I know for me, I had to strengthen my boundaries, for example, mm -hmm. um, when I was sort of really dissecting and, and looking deep in my core as to why, why, why did I end up with a narcissist? And that's, you know, quite a process too. But not to say, not to go on here, Marianne, but with respect to your point about children, there's a great deal of valuable, valuable studies out there that demonstrate what happens when a child is raised by a narcissist, right? That child right. ends up growing up lacking empathy, for example. Mm -hmm. um, That's very true. Right? I know exactly, right? And then sometimes for women, not always, if we are partnered with a narcissist, um, maybe well, maybe we had narcissistic parents because, again, back to your earlier point, the trauma is inherited. Um, maybe we had an early break with our, our, our mother, early break. So it, you can trace it back. You can really unpack it all the way through a process of uh, family constellation or um, in early inherited family trauma uses a pro, uh, an approach called the core language approach. And, and it, takes, it takes you right down to your core fears, your core traumas. Um, yeah. I think that's sad. You know, you've got a, a nice kid now being raised by a narcissist to be groomed to be empathetic or unempathetic and uncaring and have no compassion for people that are suffering in society. Yes. Well, it's almost, I mean, just generally speaking, uh, narcissism is, first of all, it's a topic of great, great interest. Millions of people on the net, millions of people around the world are talking about it. But it's also an epidemic of our age, and and it absolutely influences children. I mean, I, I really admire your work, Marianne, and, and the, some of the open and candid critiques that you've made um, about family court. And, and But if we think that family court is not educated or aware about divorce trauma or about abuse in relationships, uh, they're really not even, narcissism really isn't even on their radar. <laughs> so, you know, it is, and, and we've talked about this before, it is the narcissistic personality that usually ends up filing for full custody. Yes. Ironically, yes. right? Right. And yep. we're going, what? Um, and how? <laughs> Why? <laughs> And there the judge goes, <laughs> giving him full custody. <laughs> and you're standing there going, but I'm the compassionate well, one. Yeah, and family court is very systemic. It's, it's, it's a system, and it doesn't recognize abuse. And, but then again, we go back to the charming master manipulators that narcissists are, but they're also um, persuasive blamers is what Bill Eddy calls them. Mm -hmm. uh, Bill Eddy is the uh, founder of the High Conflict Institute in um, 
San Francisco. And mm -hmm. so he's written, Bill Eddy has written a whole bunch of books about narcissism, and I know you've read them too. But yeah, he calls narcissists persuasive blamers. And they are. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, you called them liars, and I agree. And they're also persuasive blamers. But the issue is uh, whether they're a malignant narcissist or an antisocial personality disorder narcissist or a sociopathic narcissist or just somewhere on the scope because it is a scope oftentimes they will they can actually make a project out of punching you if you end the relationship with a divorce because they feel abandoned so that's when a, a target goes on your back Mm -hmm. And that's when they're uh, making a project out of punishing you for wanting to end the relationship. That might take the form of a, a property battle, or it might take the form of a custody battle. And like we were just saying, often the narcissist will file for sole custody, and um, and the, and then you find yourself exactly in a situation you could never ever imagine. So too bad you didn't call that divorce coach right before you were thinking of filing right. for divorce with the narcissist. Right. <laughs> so what advice do you give people that um, do you warn them and say, okay, this narcissist is going to go after full custody of your children? Do you warn people? My practice really, I, I'm, I'm really passionate about the healing aspect of it, but I do offer mentor calls or more consultations as well. And there are definite signposts to that. Mm -hmm. And so it's, you know, it's all, it's, it's education, it's pre-planning and just the sooner you can recognize the danger you're in, if you threaten a narcissist, the sooner you can pivot to um, protect yourself. And unfortunately, if you're divorcing a narcissist and he makes a project out of uh, punishing you and your children, then um, it does become a question of protection. That's just so sad that they don't care about these kids. They want to go after the target to make them pay. It's, um, it's, well, yeah, honestly, it is, it's, it is so sad. Um, uh, and that's why, you know, narcissistic abuse, which is a whole spectrum of abuse, right, from, you mentioned it earlier, Marianne, gaslighting, to abuse by proxy, um, you know, all of these things, just to, ver you know, old-fashioned verbal abuse is, it's really sad. It, it strips his victim down. Mm -hmm. It rips her down to nothing. And, um, you know, it's, it's crippling and, and it's prolonged. It's prolonged. So if you filed for divorce with a narcissist, he's going to go into feeling abandoned. Chances are you've already been experiencing narcissistic abuse on some level prior to filing. So mm -hmm. maybe it may even be a couple of years. So you're already at a weakened place. When you filed for divorce, that now turns that war or that fight, which is very unloving, 
turns into a nuclear war if you're divorcing a narcissist. So if you had a fire, you know, it's like throwing gas on it. Um, but yeah, it, it goes nuclear in, in family court if you're divorcing a narcissist. And it is really, truly beyond anyone's wildest imaginations what can happen. But I've lived through it. I've survived. Mm -hmm. However, and I'm stronger for it, but I can tell you that when I was writing my book, um, I interviewed dozens and dozens of women across North America, particularly in the States. And they would say uh, things like, my husband tried to put me in jail. Mm -hmm. um, I went to jail. Mm -hmm. And it was such a deeply healing experience for me to talk to these women and interview them for my book, because oftentimes it was exactly like looking in a mirror and going back in time. And it wasn't just one woman. I talked to the next woman and she would say very similar things. Um, hmm. My husband tried to put me in jail. I filed for divorce and my husband called the police on me. So, what? You filed for divorce and your husband called the police on you. Well, this is actually really common. And it falls perfectly in line with the antisocial narcissistic personality disorder. So readers, listeners, if you haven't read Five Personalities That Can Ruin Your Life by Bill Eddy, that's the book to pick up. Go right to antisocial and you'll see the profile that this typical of this type of personality that they will call the police on you because in their mind it is actually a crime. Um, I, so once I started hearing all of these stories which were actually really similar to mine, um, I had the police called on me six times and the day I filed for divorce I came home and the police were here. <laughs> so and I spoke to a beautiful woman in Southern California who, who, same thing, she was picked up, she was thrown in jail, she was living on a farm, she left her four children behind while she was put in jail, she had all her farm animals that she couldn't attend to, she then became homeless, and these are the kind of unimaginable consequences of really not pre-planning your divorce, but we just don't know what, what happens when we fall down the rabbit hole. And, and the matrix of uh, divorcing a narcissist. Of course, we're talking about this specific personality uh, disorder, and it's extremely unloving. And I'm sure, you know, there are loving divorces out there, but not a lot. No. Unfortunately, divorce becomes a container for revenge, anger, hatred, frustration, all of these really low vibration, if you will, feelings that can thrown into the container of divorce. And divorce really isn't a place for, for those emotions. Um, but that's what divorce becomes, sort of the tsunami of negative emotions. And the fallout and the collateral damage is significant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The other fascinating thing that happens during divorce and let me know, Marianne, if this maybe you experienced some of this, or let me know what you think of this, is that any past trauma that you haven't dealt with or has not found resolution or been resolved in your body will come back when you face your own divorce trauma. 
So suddenly you get divorced and it, maybe it's been classified as a high conflict divorce. Maybe it's with a, a narcissist. And then you might all of a sudden be dealing with your parents' divorce. And then you've got, you know, the issues with custody and your children. And it just is, it's this complicated matrix of trauma. Um, anything that's not resolved from your childhood will come up as, and be called to heal during divorce. But you might just flood yourself with, you get flooded with traumas that need to be addressed during divorce. And that is why uh, women have breakdowns or, um, you know, panic attacks or need, need support. And one thing I can say, Marianne, is there is very little uh, solution-focused quality support for women uh, in divorce that are experiencing, I love to call it, divorce trauma. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, did you have anything come up, like, when you got divorced that was from the past that, that came up for you, or...? Nothing really. I mean, other than my mother was very mad at me that I was getting divorced uh, because we were Catholic and that just doesn't go over very well, even though her brother was divorced three times. But it's okay for him, but not for me. Oh. <laughs> but uh, just having to deal with her. But uh, she eventually got over it. <laughs> it took her a couple, couple of years. But it just took her a long time. I'm still here. Just, just checking my video for bandwidth. Oh, wow. That's one thing I noticed interviewing women in the States versus interviewing divorcees in Canada was that the family was much more involved in, with my women in the states with clients in the states the, the family dynamic was bigger in canada the family was in-laws weren't so much involved like your mom but definitely noticed that that extra layer when i i spoke with women in the states and religion as well in the states mm -hmm. came up in my interviews as an added layer of shame or guilt or yeah, it was just um, at, just at odds with my mother through the whole thing. And she had said, well, God hates divorce. And I thought, let me check this out. So I called up a rabbi <laughs> and I asked him, <laughs> I said, uh, it, I don't know if this is true, but did, does uh, God hate divorce? And he said, no, um, Jesus hates divorce. God allowed Moses to install divorce because people were killing each other left and right. So he had had to do something with these people. So, but then when Jesus came along, he wanted everyone to not do that, but it was already installed when he walked the face of the earth. Oh. So, so, and I, and, and then the rabbi told me, he said, I don't think you should get a divorce. And I said, well, he's doing this and he's throwing heavy objects and he's scaring my children. And then he said, oh, then you should get a divorce. Uh -huh. uh, I said, okay, thanks. Bye. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. 
There's a woman in, in the United States, I don't know if you've heard of her, um, she, Gretchen Baskerville, and she wrote a book called The Life-Saving Divorce, and it's specifically from a very Christian perspective and addresses uh, issues like that of God-hating divorce or, um, you know, uh, there's even pastor's wives who uh, are being abused in the United States and are reluctant to get a divorce, but yeah. That's, that's interesting. I don't know. I don't know if it, if the vow should have been until death do you part or until the death of the relationship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or as, uh, once the narcissistic personality disorder comes out, then you can divorce him. <laughs> exactly. <You know? laughs> I like that one the best, Marianne. Yeah. <laughs> save yourself, um, you know, save yourself hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars. Because that's the other thing that that's coming up right now is that it's a more prolonged divorce with this type of personality. And it's more expensive because it's more prolonged. So the higher the conflict, um, the more expensive it's going to be. So the investment in protection or in keeping custody of your children or uh, having legal representation with a narcissist who very often will couple and partner with a narcissistic advocate. So a narcissistic lawyer, then you've got two narcissists oh, yes. doing that. Right. And that sounds like so extreme, like that would never happen. But oh yes. <laughs> when you start to do the education and research, you see, yeah, it's actually quite common to happen. And um, so th this is landing with you, resonating with you, Marianne. <laughs> <laughs> well, not only did he remarry a narcissist, then he got an attorney that was a narcissist. <laughs> I was literally surrounded by them in the courtroom. Oh, an entourage. Oh, yes. He would also bring in the entourage on top of, um, well, of course, the judge was a narcissist anyway, but um, yeah, I just uh, didn't stand a chance. <laughs> so amazing, amazing that you're still here and standing up victorious and an overcomer to tell your story because uh, that is, you know, um, I don't know, that's so such a, a very vulnerable, difficult place to be. <laughs> so good for you. The I acknowledge you. Oh, thank you. Well, the thing is, uh, is to stand tall and stand your ground. Even if you are losing, stand your ground because it will make the narcissist even matter because they know they're not getting to you. Even though you might be losing your case, at least you're standing tall and not crying and just looking strong and walking out of there without shedding a tear they're wondering why didn't they beat you down how come we didn't how come we didn't bring her to tears in front of the judge yeah how come we didn't mess her up she walked out of here like there was no problem <laughs> so that way you have them fold and they're chasing their tail wondering how they can maybe get back at you again but you just keep on doing that yeah, I really, I really hear what you're saying. Um, and just to break, unpack that a bit, really, 
what we know about narcissists is they they need their their supply so they need narcissistic supply so really really tough position where you can't for someone like you or i we can't show emotion such as a very normal and beautiful emotion to weep or cry but when you're dealing with the narcissist that then becomes supply mm-hmm. so when you said you just had to you know stand up and show no emotion no you you can't show any emotion and all narcissistic supply has to be cut off anything that you feed to them energizes them and then everything gets uh begins again so they're like you know really they're like the coronavirus you've got to like starve them off (laughs) if you can't if you can't avoid them and if you don't know the signs then you you might run into one and it's not your fault i mean anyone can be susceptible to a narcissist right um but but once but once you're in and coupled with them or enmeshed with them then it's is recognizing how to not provide them with that narcissistic supply and narcissistic supply marianne is almost distilled down to anything that makes them feel good mm-hmm. so yeah if you started crying that unfortunately is going probably he would have liked that right <laughs> you know? unfortunately it's it's very that's sociopathic and and you know um go ahead well you know even in the marriage when he was nasty to me i was not going to give in and start crying i just still stood firm and said don't talk to me like that don't ever talk to me like that again stop it I mean, it was like, it was like dealing with a 16 year old, like, like a abusive 16 year old boyfriend, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? And then once I finally divorced him, then we're going into this courtroom and I'm just still standing there, you know, staring at them, wondering how, how can you behave like this? And when I was on the witness stand, the judge said, is everything the CPS worker said, uh, was it all fabricated, everything she said? And I said, yes, everything she said was a fabrication. And then the judge yelled at me and said, you are appalling on this witness stand. And I was going to be a smart mouth and say, well, you want the truth, don't you? But I didn't because (laughs) I didn't want to make him any madder or crazier than he already was. Good for you. Good for you. But I don't know. They want the truth, but then they don't want to hear it. (laughs) Yeah, well, I I mean, unfortunately, sometimes family court is not a place for truth. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so great great to have a fun conversation and laugh with you because I'm sure we've shed many tears over this. But, like, let's be honest, the narcissist builds up words of lies in affidavits that uh, resonate well and you know you get into attack it's called an attack defense cycle of affidavits with the narcissist and you talked about him bringing people in there uh with him that narcissist has to have an entourage you talked about his lawyer uh, being narcissistic, that's actually pretty common that they would attract a narcissistic advocate. And then you also talked about, um, correct me if I'm wrong, the, this sort of narcissistic judge, correct? Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and probably people who are listening are going, oh, Marianne, like, how could you have a narcissistic judge, a narcissistic lawyer, all these labels? But narcissists are attracted to these positions of power, power mm-hmm. that they can have over other people. Mm-hmm. So I, I really, I hear what you're saying with that, with your experience makes perfect sense to me. In fact, I had talked to my counselor about this judge and I said, I said to her, I, I said, okay, my family's destroyed and it's never going to be the same again with my family. So how many other people do you know of have been destroyed by this judge? And she had said, she knows of three families. She knows there's more out there, but she's not seeing those ones. But there's plenty of people walking around destroyed by judges that really should be off the bench when they don't know what they're doing. Well, uh, I couldn't agree more with you. And again, in my practice, this would be more on the a mentor consultation side, but family court is not a friendly place. It's not a loving place. It's Mm -hmm. not, as you know, a place of truth. And women and children are having, as you said, they're, oh, I'm going on a rampage here, Marianne, their lives destroyed by entering into this unloving system. And it is is really merciless. Um, Mm -hmm. Just because they want to transition to being unmarried. Mm -hmm. So... I think really the most powerful thing you can do is pre-education because really, I don't know if that system can be changed, uh, but if you can avoid ever going there with a narcissist, you probably can't because they love to litigate. Mm -hmm. But in any other situation, really the most dangerous place for families in my perspective is family court. How does that statement feel to you? Yeah, family court is a very toxic dumping ground of um, who can get away with what and perjure themselves on the witness stand all the time. <laughs> I re- yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, there's a there's kind of a common phrase mostly used i think in in the usa versus canada but it's called the silver bullet oh yeah and it's where right and so (laughs) i've seen women in my practice that have had the silver bullet used on them in reverse where you know lies are immediately told that um change the game to ensure custody and the thing is it's so costly to defend yourself against blatant lies or they're you know i call also also call them attacks really the narcissistic um personality absolutely loves systems so when they you get divorced they can get more narcissistic supply from the system the family court system than they now can get from you Mm -hmm. and and isn't that sad yeah they're pretty sick individuals. And, and, and the thing is, their parents go along with it, and their entourage, and they're all sick. They're sick people. 
Yeah, it's um, it's very deeply traumatic to go through something like that from the victim's perspective. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, too, again, lack of support for women, because most family lawyers and family judges are not trauma informed. And so they don't recognize it or they support it. But for sure, we can say they, they don't they they don't recognize it or have the education to recognize the mm -hmm. abuse. Right. So how long have you been a divorce coach? Well, I'm launching, I've been working on a practice with a team of healing professionals um, for the last year. Okay. And um, I'm launching a new practice in January. So I've really, I've been working on it for a year and launching a, a new practice focused specifically on women and uh, in January. So I'll be launching with uh, my new ebook called Erased by a Narcissist, which outlines the journey of a high conflict divorce uh, in Canada and really gives some strategies to women and a lot of valuable information to help them see what they're getting into before they get into it. Um, and then I also have an online course that is complementing the practice called Narcissism 101 for Women. And that's an online course that will provide the, the education um, and help you to see the stars in the darkness and, mm -hmm. and make sure that you stop the cycle of partnering with narcissistic men. Right. How can people reach you? Easiest way is, is um, just by visiting my website, barbaralapointe.com. That's where the free resources are. The ebook is entirely uh, complimentary. It's entirely free. Um, you can also email me at barbaralapointe at gmail.com. And I'll send you out those resources or send you out the ebook just to uh, hopefully really support a woman on her journey. Mm -hmm. Journey there... to liberation, journey to yeah. freedom. Definitely. Is there anything else you'd like to add? No. No, I don't think so. It's just been just been a really a pleasure to to dig deep with you, Marianne. Yes, this was this was a great conversation. I really appreciate you, Barbara, coming on. And I'll have to have you back on again, you know, for updates. Yes, absolutely. I welcome that. Yeah, definitely. Maybe in the spring or something. That'd be incredible. There's always lots to talk about. And unfortunately, with COVID, the divorce mm -hmm. rates across North America statistically are on the rise. Not sad, but it's yes. true. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, we'll have you back on again. Slam the Gavel is a podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in the family courtrooms that in turn perpetuate parental alienation. I am your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption and Cry Out for Justice. Please join us again. And thank you so much, Barbara LaPointe. Thank you, Marianne. I really, really appreciate you. admire your, your work, your books, and what you do for women. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.